Athletics podcast, SAP, stop, like, sup, see what I did there, like, sup, guys, (laughs) so, what we're gonna do is this, you can call me Ruth, I'll be reviewing the Mexico City Grand Prix, I'll give you my very, very authentic and unfiltered takeaways, and what you're gonna do is this, you're gonna get comfortable and you're gonna join me! <laughs> right. Now let's talk Mercedes for a moment. For the past seven to eight years, from 2014 to 2020, 2021, however you wanna put it, Mercedes were f- unbeatable, those guys. And for that reason, Mercedes were afforded the luxury of having shitty strategy calls, silly mistakes on track, even horrible pit stops, without having to face any repercussions for it. Because obviously, with their very fast pace, it kind of covers all of these mistakes and they will always end up at the front. As a matter of fact, actually, I think Red Bull is, is sailing on this ship at the moment, especially with Max, if you ask me, but that's a different point. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, it's safe to say their pants have been pulled the f- down and every filth and unpolished kerfuffles <laughs> has been very publicly exposed. Hmm? What makes it even worse is that these fallen from grace team Mercedes, they seem to be so delusional they still think that they're the goat like they really do it seems like like look at their mexico grand prix strategy for example how in the world did those strategists manage to appear so freaking amateur dude like guys if you've been if you've been paying attention throughout the whole season George Russell has been the only one making the more reasonable calls when it comes to tire strategies, for example, and when to pit and when not to. In my eyes, it seems as though he's the only team member in that Mercedes works team who doesn't have their head in the sand. Now, here's my point. I feel as though, much like Ferrari, those guys need to wake the hell up look around and realize that they're not the fastest car on the grid anymore and your freaking strategy in my opinion should and ought to reflect this and they need to listen to george more <laughs> i feel like sergio freaking Perez. is Perez that bad 
like that was the one question that i'm forced to try and and face and try to answer especially after this mexican mexico city grand prix like is he that bad of a driver or is max just that good like i'm trying to, i'm really struggling here i'm really and i've been really do you know what this is actually a very touchy subject for me if i'm honest because ever since uh checo moved to red bull last year i've been so much of his like i've been rooting for the guy like i have never rooted for any sports personal personality ever like seriously and the reason for that is because i tend to support underdogs and you know uh supporting the 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 weaker i would i don't not the weak one per se but the one who has like something to prove you know especially him being next to uh max you know and his status at the team at the time and his reputation at the time his record and you know the benchmark is really high for checo yeah actually fun fact I can sit here and tell you today that I would proudly wear, buy and wear Nicolas Latifi's merch on a Grand Prix and massive, massively root for the guy. But that's besides the point. It, it, I guess that proves my, that sort of like uh, explains further my underdog statement. Now, on the Mexico Grand Prix, here, here's where the puzzle comes in. On the Mexico Grand Prix, Max, with an older tire, was pulling away from Lewis and creating daylight between them. Okay? But on the other hand, Checker was dropping further and further back from Lewis. Russell was actually catching up to him with the less quicker tire strategy. So, your teammate is pulling away and you are pulling back. Hmm? Like, I don't get it. It, it like i've been trying to figure out yeah throughout the whole season i've i've been trying to always put it on something like probably you know development was going away from checo the, uh, the the engineers and the aerodynamics people were uh developing the car to the liking of uh, max as opposed to checo and all of these things all of these excuses i've been trying to tell myself no checo is not that bad it's all of those reasons to why but today I've actually been forced to kind of like confront the almost inevitable. I don't know, but I'm really, really left to that question, to be honest. And actually, this is a really good segue to to, to Ricardo's uh, my my takeaway on my takeaway of Ricardo from this Grand Prix, because boy, do you know what? <laughs> This might actually be a very sore subject for some of you, but surely, surely Daniel does not deserve a seat next year at McLaren. Like, I know, especially after his performance at the Mexico Grand Prix. I'm convinced after that performance that the guy doesn't deserve a seat next year at McLaren, like, in my opinion. So let's state the obvious. Daniel... With no way of putting it, I mean, with no better way of putting this, Daniel has been very anonymous, especially after the summer break. 
He has been 15th in Spa, 17th, 17th, 5th in Singapore, which is like insane. I was like, did that really happen? What? Anyway, 11th in Japan with nearly half the grid DNFing. 16th in, in the US, which was pretty much dead last with only Latifi right behind him. And then suddenly, suddenly out of nowhere, he overtakes nearly half the grid in Mexico in a track that's very hard to overtake all of a sudden and takes P7 despite his 10 second penalty that he had to serve. Like, dude, where did that come from, Daniel? I, do you know, my take on this is, what, there's two things here. One, he had the better tire strategy. But the, point, the biggest point here is that the guy was so motivated to perform. He had of like this fire that I have never seen him have ever since I started watching from one which was last season. He overtook and overtook driver after driver after driver making some moves I only witnessed a couple of times last year, if I'm honest. And where did that motivation come from? One, he knew he had a 10 cent penalty buffer. So he had to be able to uh, close that and create some distance between him, between him and the guys behind. Two, the team had the courtesy to let, to let him through and give, you know, team orders and let him go ahead of Norris. Okay, so Daniel knew that, okay, I've been given a favor here, so I really need to, to, to make this work. So he had that pressure and he showed up. Now, here's my take. The unmotivated Daniel would never have done that. An unmotivated Daniel really performs really poorly. Okay, a motivated Daniel is a beast. Okay, now... I don't think that a driver on the very much coveted Formula One grid ought to be thrown a bone at for them to get the motivation to go. I don't think circumstances need to determine whether you're motivated or not for that weekend. And Mexico Grand Prix proved to me that Daniel sort of like needs those pressurizing circumstances where he has to uh, be a part of like to show something or prove something for him to be able to pull something out of the bag and for that reason my take on this is an unmotivated driver has got no place on the grid and for that reason the amazing Daniel Ricciardo does not oh I can't even finish that sentence you get the point anyways. Can I talk about the Formula One fans for a moment? And I feel like these is a, this is a group of uh, people that are not very much talked about as much as the drivers, for example, but they make a big part of the sport. Dude, what's the deal with the fans in the paddock, by the way? I understand the money aspect where, where people get to pay for the uh, paddock club uh, tickets and, you know, the, the rich fee, which actually a quick Google search. Um, it tells you that those guys paid thousands of euros for Grand Prix to get into the paddock club, which I get, FIA, you need to milk that money in. I mean, obviously, it's a business model here. 
Now, one big selling point of this massively expensive tickets is that uh, you get to interact with the drivers, get autographs and cameras and, and selfies, blah, blah, blah. Right, we get it. But I don't feel as though FIA has thought about what the drivers really feel about this aspect about a weekend. Because last time I checked, these drivers are humans. Yeah? Imagine this. A driver coming out of a ho the hospitality area on their way to the grid, very focused, very intentional, very in their head, trying to look forward to the race where they need to absolutely perform or even much worse. The driver has just come from a very colossal fuck up by the team or whatever, the engine has busted or they have crashed or something. Just something going wrong in the race. And he's, has DNF'd and is coming back to the paddock. And guess what? The dude's bamboozle. But, like, he is completely swarmed by what would feel like, like 10,000 people shoving cameras in their faces. Some of them without even the courtesy of saying, of saying please or even thank you afterwards. Hmm? Can you imagine that? Just as a, just from a human perspective, from the human perspective of it all, some of these drivers actually are having to run through, run across the paddock traffic. Some of them even wearing helmets. I noticed uh, George wearing a helmet actually while coming while uh, making his way across the green. Some of them getting nearly robbed actually. Because I read an article where Pierre Gasly said that his, his bag with his valuables, including his passport, was opened a couple of times while walking across that grid, with that paddock uh, lane. Can you freaking believe that? <sighs> FIA, this is my solution, my recommendation or my suggestion on how that could be handled. Two ways. One, go on, keep selling those paddock passes, you know, get the money, okay? But with one restriction, no cameras, no selfies. You can take pictures of them, but no selfies and no autographs. Like, no stopping them on their tracks and when they're trying to, like, do something or whatever, okay? But instead of that, have a driver paddock paddock members like fan meetings or whatever something like that like a meet and greet sort of situation with the driver and the paddock paddock uh, club members or those vip members so then they can get their selfies and autographs and blah 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 so that during the race and during the uh very hustle and bustle of a race weekend the drivers are let alone to folk, are left alone so they can focus and think about the job at hand. Second way of, of looking at, of dealing with this is we can expect the driver, the uh, paddock fun VIP members, we can urge them to respect and understand the drivers and understand what they have to go through during a race weekend with regards to focusing on the race, the strategy, quality, the race, blah, 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 and the, the human aspects of it all, 
okay but i wouldn't reckon that you would you surely you cannot expect everyone to have these kind of mannerisms a lot of them probably would but again maybe that would like reduce it which would be enough but much like the bo- the, the, the disgusting booing and all i don't really expect it to completely stop all the way to zero now aobs aobs any other business any other business <laughs> dude what does i hear about max boycotting max and red bull boycotting this guy uh team like what <laughs> oh my gosh what's that about dude like yo is he upset because uh what's his name ted kravitz mentioned during the last uh notebook or the race notebook for the usgp that he alluded to the fact that the 2021 championship was stolen was robbed from lewis and and blah 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 like is that why red bull is boycotting sky <laughs> like seriously i think that delusion like is it, i don't know like but isn't that what happened though <laughs> if you really look at it like technically and really like really look at it come on come on rebel surely <laughs> you ought to know that this really went to your favor with the human error aspect having to get involved with it for it to go to your to your favor in that in that case and the human error caused somebody to be fired blah 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 everything else that you know already about but seriously i mean i just thought that was a little bit petty much like fernando actually <laughs> fernando like uh, did, you, did you hear about his comment with regards to lewis's titles versus max's titles world championships <laughs> and lewis being just as petty posted on twitter <laughs> what dude <laughs> I feel like from the one it's just full of petty drivers who are just oh my gosh some of them have a lot of pride too I feel like I mean I, I don't know I've never met any one of them <laughs> Oh anyways <laughs> those were my takeaways from the Mexico Grand Prix and uh to wrap it up Thank you for listening. Thank you so oh my gosh it means a lot to me you've no idea. Please look out for my next episodes every Tuesday and Friday and most importantly if you liked anything from what you heard please give the podcast a five star rating. Please follow and please share it with someone who you think might like it as well. We'll be in this together for sure. You can call me Ruth and catch you on the next one. Bye. <laughs> Bye.